Hey, so good to see you. How you doing? All right, good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, if we've never met each other before, my name is Scott, and uh, just get to serve the Lord here in this church, and it's uh, just a great joy. We're, we're in our January series called 2020 Vision, just clarifying, asking God to help us clarify uh, this month, this year, this decade, we want to clearly see the things that God has in mind for us and for our community. Because I promise you, by the end of this year, you will be somewhere. Absolutely promise. By the end of this decade, you'll be somewhere. But don't let your somewhere be nowhere. Because if you don't have a clear vision, if you don't know where you're going, you will never get there. So we're asking, seeking, knocking, saying, Lord, we want to open our hearts to what you have. We want to see things the way you, and we have to, we have to keep re-energizing that. We have to keep revitalizing that. Because there's a tendency in humanity to drift. Case in point. We're a couple of weeks into January. New Year's resolutions. Think about it. Some have already drifted. They had good intentions on December 31st, January 1st. But just a few days into the year, and they're like, okay, maybe we shouldn't be so ambitious. Because humanity tends to drift. You can, you can drift in one day. You can write down your vision for the day, your goals for the day, and then midway through the day you can wonder, where am I? And why am I doing stuff that's not on my list? You've drifted from your objective. Vision helps us to clarify, so I'm just going to encourage us today to revision and constantly understand we need to revision. To revision is to revisit. If you, re if you uh, revise a document, you revisit it, you look at it again. And we want to line our lives up with the things that are really important. So we're asking the question today, in my vision for 2020 and the decade of the 20s, what's really important? There is a prayer that I virtually pray for you all the time, and especially in this month, I'm praying this prayer for you. It comes out of the heart of the Apostle Paul, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. There are some things in life that you will only see from the inside. There are some doors that will only open in your life from the inside. Your physical eyes see what's happening now. You can see me now, right? You can see what's happening now. Your inner eyes, the eyes of the heart, the eyes of your spirit can see things as they should be, can see where God is calling you to. And that's a beautiful prayer to pray. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you might know the hope to which he has called you. God is calling you, putting hope in you to take you somewhere. And he doesn't want your somewhere to be a nowhere. He wants it to be meaningful. So we're looking at what is meaningful, what matters to God, what's important to God, and what should be part of our lives as we vision and revision for 2020. We're going to go over three things that are top of, top of priority uh, for the Lord. 
and when we see with our inner eyes, we get a vision for what is really important. The number, do you know, do you know, maybe, do you know what God's top priority for 2020 would be? That his top, if, if he was making a list, what's, what's God's top priority? What's most important to God? Those are good answers. I'm going to suggest one that you can think about. I believe that God's top priority for 2020 is winning people who are far away from his family. I think, I think it's on his heart because the Bible says it's on his heart. It says God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's the reason why God came down to this planet in the person of Jesus because he loved. God loves you more than you know he does. God, God loves your family. God would like your family to be in his family. God loves your friends. He would like your friends to be in his family. God loves the people you don't love. And he would like the people you don't love to be in his family. In fact, I believe that when, if you don't get this issue right with God, they're going to have the house next to you in eternity. The subtle, just, it's not in the Bible, but I just think that's going to happen. God loves the world. The scripture tells us very plainly that God doesn't want anyone to perish. God is not willing. God does not want anyone to perish. He would like everyone to come to repentance, which is to turn their lives around, to turn from where they are to where God wants them to be. And it says he is patiently waiting for humanity. In 2020, for anyone that's far away from God, God is patiently waiting for them to come in to the family of God. God wants his family to grow in 2020. God loves, God, God calls this a family. Last weekend, we had um, uh, baptism weekend. It was very exciting. I love baptism weekend. And, and in two of the services, we had entire families. The whole family had made a commitment to Christ and the whole family got wet. Wasn't that great? I loved it. I loved it a lot. How, how many just love uh, baptism weekends? All right. How many, how many would like to have more of them? Okay, let's win people that are far from God. It's quid pro quo. I have family, sweet Darla Joy and I have four children. By marriage, we've added three more. And then a couple of, the next generation is coming, two grandkids. That's not in my immediate family, nine. Uh, and uh, we pray over our family. And I can't help that when I pray for my family, I feel something in my heart. I encourage you to pray for your family. I, I, by name, I pray for them. And uh, I pray for Neil and Amanda and Paxton and Ellie. I feel something in my heart. I pray for Tommy and Holly. I pray for Sebastian and Charity. I pray for Jesse. One day I was praying in my devotions, just praying through my list of family members. And I got to the end and I was going to go to the next 
matter of prayer, the next thing on my prayer list. And before I got to that, the Lord interrupted me because uh, it is his time. It's prayer time. He can interrupt me whenever he wants. And he, I just really clearly heard him say, what about my family? I said, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? And as I asked that question, almost immediately, faces began to like flash through my mind. Some of the faces I knew fairly well. Some of them I knew in a distant way. And some of the faces, I didn't know who they were. And they just flashed in front of my, my mind as I was praying. And uh, here's what God said. He said, Scott, I want you to know that the same feeling that you have for your family, I have for my family. And I don't want to lose one member. I am not willing that any would perish. That is the heart of God. For the people that we live around, the people that we work, he has a heart that they would come into his family. So he gives us direction, and he says, okay, here's the, here's the marching orders, brothers and sisters, family of God, uh, wherever you go. And do you know what that means? <laughs> Where, let me just ask, where is wherever? Where would that happen to be? Where is wherever? It's everywhere. Uh, wherever would count as Publix. That's wherever. Starbucks, wherever. Chick-fil-A. But not today. <laughs> Wherever. He says, I want you to be aware that wherever you go, wherever, and you're going to go this week, wherever, and wherever you go, I want you to tell about half of the people. His, his heart, I just want you to. Now, it doesn't mean that every time you go into Starbucks, you have to go to each person and say, I'm wherever, and you're everyone. But it does mean that when you're in that environment of Starbucks or Publix or where you work, that you have an openness to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You are available. Lord, today I'm available to you. So wherever I am, if there's anybody that you want to communicate something to, I'm available to communicate that. He says, I want you to tell people the good news because they really need to hear it. And the good news is, I haven't found any way on the planet to connect with God except through Jesus because I am so aware of my imperfections. I can't, I can't. I can't, I personally cannot work my way to God. I, can't, I cannot do it. So what I find in Jesus is that he comes to me in my messed up, imperfect state, and he lifts me up, and he puts me in contact with the family of God. He brings me into the family of God by his grace, which I can't earn, I can't deserve, but I simply can receive. And that's just really good news. And that's the good news, that when Jesus lived his perfect life on the earth, when he went to the cross and rose on the third day, that he opens his arms to everyone that you will 
be around this year. And he says, I'd like to welcome you into my family. I don't want anyone to perish. And so as we revision, as we look at this year, there are people who are not in the family of God today, but in 2020, God wants to bring them in. And we're part of that. So we ask ourselves the question, if that's, God, if that's important to God, how is my life being available to his spirit to help him fulfill his vision Because his vision needs to be my vision, and his vision is to win people who are far away from God. Now, when people come into the family of God, we move to the second thing, another top priority, what's really important to God, and that's to build people in their faith. God doesn't want just for people to have the born-again experience when their spirit becomes enlivened, when they connect with God. He doesn't want to leave them in that initial state of spiritual revelation. He wants all of us to grow in our faith. If your year in 2019 was relatively static in spiritual growth and faith, then don't let the devil rip you off in 2020. Let this be a year where, okay, this is a passion of God. This is a vision of God. This is important to God that we would encounter each other and in the encounter, we would be made stronger. I love when Paul is going to Rome and he says to the people, I long to see you. I long to be with you. Because there's something that happens when, when two people get together. It, you can't, there are some things that cannot be accomplished by email. Or even by um, Skyping or FaceTiming. There are some things that can only happen when two human beings are in the same space. So what he's saying is, I'm writing to you a letter, because there was no email at that time. So he was writing to them a letter, and he was communicating some things. But he said, something's going to happen when we get together, because I have some spiritual gifts inside of me. And when I get with you, there's going to be an exchange of ministry, and uh, words are going to be exchanged. And as a result, you are going to be made stronger. And that's not just for Paul. That's for y'all. I just made that up right there. That's true. That, that you would come together because you have some spiritual gifts, I promise you, you do, and that as you're together with someone, your life would strengthen them. In fact, you mutually would be strengthened and your faith, both of your faith would get stronger. This is a passion of God. Now, we know that faith is strengthened by the word of God. The scripture tells us that faith comes by the word of God. So just think about the conversations you've had over the last week or the last several weeks and see how these phrases fit into your conversations. Are these a normal part of your conversations? Like words like this. Oh, the word of God says, and carry on. I was reading in my devotions this morning in the scriptures Uh, Do you know what Jesus says about that? Those phrases are directing people to the word of God, which builds them up in their faith. Here is, is not a faith builder. It may be an interesting conversation, but this does not build faith. Hey, I was watching Oprah. And she said, maybe interesting. I was reading in a magazine. Maybe interesting. 
But when you speak the word of God to another person, there's something that's imparted to them that transcends psychology, it ministers to the spirit, and it builds people up in their faith. It connects them with God. And that's what Paul said, I want that to happen. I want you to build each other up. I want you to encourage each other. This is the import of God. This is his vision that the, the church would strengthen one another. Every time you come here, there are people around you that need you to speak to them. You never know the people that are around you on any given weekend, but I promise you there are people here this weekend and they've, they've received information from a medical a professional, uh, and they wish they hadn't received the information that was shared with them. People hear that their marriage is hanging on by a thread or maybe broken. And some are here by themselves because their spouse wouldn't come with them because it's broken. They're here. Some are here that are, are filled with doubts because the experience of their life has caused them to doubt God, and they're here. Someone's here but not listening hardly to what I'm saying because they are so consumed with how they're going to pay their bills this week or at the end of this month They're just because they're, they're here. And they need, when we are together, for the spirit that is in you, the spiritual gifts that are in you, to minister to them that when they walk out those doors, they trust God a little bit more than when they walked in the doors. That their level of confidence is a little stronger when they walk out those doors than they walked in these doors. This is the will of God. This is the vision of God that we would minister life to each other and we would build each other up in what the Bible calls our most holy faith. And what a great weekend to do that. What a great weekend to consider because Paul says, as you've received Christ, keep following Christ, keep being led by Christ so that you'll be rooted, you'll get deep roots and great branches that grow up, that your life will be a life of growth. And this weekend, we're emphasizing connect groups where people come together and they speak the word of God to each other and they share from their life. And just from our, my perspective and our leadership team's perspective, the people that grow in their faith the most in our fellowship are people that are connected to a connect group. Because when we come here, there are, there's, a limit, there's limited spiritual gifts. Because uh, there's a few people on the platform, and they have some spiritual gifts, and I have some spiritual gifts. But even while I'm speaking and we're, we're opening up the words of God and we're reading a verse, there's people here that have insights that I haven't received yet. And they're going, I wish you would say this because I know something. I have an insight about that. and I, I have an experience that taps into that, and I, I would love to share that. And it's all, it's sitting in this room, but when you get into a connect group and you're in a circle and people start to speak it builds each other up, and we just find that people grow in that atmosphere. In fact, if you really want to grow, then start leading a group, because then you get really get serious about it. You're praying, oh, God, oh, God, help us tonight. First of all, oh, God, oh, God, help somebody to show up. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be big, just two or three people. It'll be a huge success. If two or three people would get together and share the word of the Lord with each other, the enemy would be defeated, and heaven would rejoice. Just the way it is. And this is the passion of God. To have people 
that are far away from God's family come into God's family, when they get in God's family, that they would grow and be built in their most holy faith. And then the third important thing we're talking about is that we would find our God-given purpose, our God-given destiny, and we would connect to that purpose this year like no other year of our life. God has a plan for this year, and if you plug into his plan, it's going to be an amazing year. He's a purpose. Uh, We sing a song about how God is turning things together for good. Uh, if you've ever been discouraged as a Christian and you've been around church very long, someone probably has slapped you on the back or maybe slapped you on the back verbally and just said, hey, don't worry. God is working all things together for your good. Wapo. And that, there is, there's a truth in the Bible that says God will turn things together for good, but it's not a disconnected truth. It's a truth that is like a sandwich. It has two pieces of bread, because God loves bread. You anti-carb people, I don't know where you are, because Jesus is the bread of life. I don't know where that came from, but I'm just telling you. (laughs) This sandwich has two pieces of glorious bread and a beautiful, sweet spot of whatever you like to put on your sandwich. Well, here it is. Here's the verse. Watch it. Don't miss it. For we know, we know this, for all of you that love God, first piece of bread, love God. If you are not loving God, if you're off doing your own thing, if you're like rebelling against God, things may not work out for good. And if that's where you've been, Come back to God today so you can start at least getting the first piece of bread down. We know that all of the people that love God and are, have, here's the meat. For those people, God works all things for good. Isn't that good news? That's the meat. That's the sweet spot. If, here's the bottom piece of bread, if you are living according to his purpose. He has a, every person in this place, every person listening to this message, God has a purpose for you to be on the planet. Do you know how I know that? You're still alive. Every day above ground is a good day. And knowing his purpose, how he's uniquely gifted your life and brought it together. He says, I'd like people to know that. I love the metaphor that uh, the Apostle Paul brings to us, the teaching he brings to us when he says, you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. Collectively, that means everyone here, when we get, when we get together collectively, when we are together, which is one of the reasons important that we get together, all, or let me, let me give you the southern version, all y'all, all y'all, all y'all, T- together, when, you're, when y'all are y'all, all together, you form the body of Christ. Now, individually, you are members. Now, just there's a truth here that individually you carry an anointing of God. 
When you open your heart to Christ, the anointed one who is Christ comes into you, and every person in this room carries a unique anointing, which you should walk in, and you should walk in the presence of God, and you should be aware that you are an anointed son or daughter of God. But something happens when each of the individual anointings comes together, and the body of Christ is in one place, which is why we gather together, and why when your body tells you not to get out of bed and don't go today, you need to come anyway, because when we come together, there is a corporate anointing. There's a y'all anointing. I just made that up. When we're together. Now, when we're together and we understand the importance of each other, that you are individual members, you're a part, you have, and you have a special purpose, and you have a special function. And when you, when you live into that, church becomes amazing. You you stop enduring church, and you start enjoying church. Like, it's the kind, and we heard some testimonies last week when people were getting baptized. They're like, I can hardly wait to get there. Let's let's do this exercise. Let's all, um, this is not a trick. I'm not going to trick you in any way for you cynics. Just let's look at our hand. Let's pull your hand out, whatever. Just pull it out. Pull, Pull one of them out. And just look at it. Now just, okay, how many, how many would just, okay, you've seen your hand, I'll look up here. How many would agree that it would be very difficult for your hand to get to church without the rest of your body? Unless you're part of some horror movie. <laughs> and even in the horror movie, I can't figure out how the hand knows where it's going. <laughs> it always seems to know. Your hand... And here's the truth. Paul is saying there's such an interdependence of our lives. And it's not just our hands, it's the the structure under our hands, the things we can't see, the nerves and the skeletal structure. And we need each other. And when we all live into our purpose, when your forearm shows up, it really helps your hand. And so... When we are together and we are living into the purpose that God has, it actually causes everything and everyone to increase in the blessings of God, in the knowledge of God, in the fulfillment of God's purpose. When we work together as the body of Christ, amazing, miraculous things happen. That's what he's telling us. And each one of you is gifted. In the same chapter, he says, hey, you have spiritual gifts. If I asked you, I'm not going to ask you, but if I did ask you to just turn to the person beside you and tell them, uh, these are my top three spiritual gifts. Some of you would have like, you you would just look blank. But you have them. And when you know what they are, and we teach you here, if you'll take the classes, we teach you what your spiritual gifts are so that you can activate your spiritual gifts and move into the purpose that you have. And there's many gifts. There's many gifts mixed. Everyone's individual, but there's one spirit who's leading and guiding us. There's a variety of services, all kinds of ministries that need to be done, need to be going. There's all kinds of services, but there's only one Lord. There's a variety of activities. We're all not all doing the same thing, but it's the same God who empowers all of us. God wants us in 2020 to move in to the purposes God has. God has some plans for you this year that will amaze you. 
and they're the purposes of God. The enemy, he's doing everything he can to keep people far away from God. Everything he can. If and when people finally join the family of God, he tries to remove them as soon as possible. He tries to take away the seed of faith that's been sown. He works against it. He does not want to see mighty men of faith arise in this place. The enemy doesn't want that. The, the enemy wants you to keep being a wimpy guy. But Jesus wants you to be a manly... I don't even want to know what I want to say. I'll say it like this. It's a, this will be old for some of you. But Jesus wants to pump you up. He wants, to, he wants to increase. He wants that. The enemy says, no, don't get, don't get too serious about this stuff. Stay casual. God wants you to walk into your purpose, to release your spiritual gifts so that you're like Paul. I can hardly wait, I can hardly get, wait to see you because there's a gift in me. And when we get together, it's going to be released and you are going to be stronger. And mutually our faith is going to grow. And you're going to be a better person because of that. So the enemy is warring against these three things that are vitally important. He's trying to keep people far away from God, far away from hearing about God, far away from thinking about God. He's trying to keep people from growing in their faith. When, when, when you, it's the enemy that tells you don't read your Bible. You don't have time for it. It's the enemy. Start reading 10 minutes a day. Some of you started, your, your goal, your resolve was to read the Bible through in a year. And you've already blown it. No worries. Don't let the devil say, oh, you're such a failure. Just wherever you stopped, pick up again. Make it a two-year program. A three-year program. Four years. Just Keep at it. Never give up, exactly. So you'll be strengthened in your faith and you'll become the person. So here's, we just want to be people that win, build, and connect. That's it. That's, we want to be people that win, build, and connect. Our middle school students were together on Friday night, all night, and Saturday morning, I think it was 18 hours, they were together. <laughs> At best, middle school ministry is like purgatory. Not quite heaven, a little bit of the other place. <laughs> 18 hours. And they said, when we do this, we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Young men and women. And we're going to have some services. And so I, I came on Saturday morning just to pray. And I, the worship was incredible. Chandler was leading the worship. It was a beautiful spirit of worship. And uh, I knew that it would be the toughest service to speak into. Because I've spoken a lot of times. And I've spoken to retreats where kids have been up all night. The morning is tough. So Andrew was, was speaking, and uh, Andrew just stood up and said, I'm just going to tell you my, my story, my, 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 my testimony. He said, I was born in the former uh, Slavic states, the Soviet bloc states. And um, 
because of communism and socialism, life was, life was hard. In fact, we, we didn't have flowing water all the time. They would literally turn the water off because there was not enough energy to take care of the people. So he said, my mother would, uh, when the water was flowing, get um, pans, pots of water, and boil the water so it would be safe for the family. He said, I grew up in a big family. I grew up with, with 10 children. I think he was number six of 10 children. He said, when I was five years old, um, my mother had got a pot of water and she'd put it on the stove and it was boiling but with 10 kids you can get distracted and she her back was turned to him when he got a stool and pushed it up to the stove and reached up and pulled the, the scalding water down on top of it five years old it burnt 70 percent plus somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of his body was scalded with this water he said it was incredible agony and the medical care wasn't the best. And they kept trying to work on him to get him out of pain and into somewhat wholeness. And they did multiple surgeries. The skin grafts wouldn't take. In uh, one of the most traumatic surgeries, they, um, they misapplied the anesthetic. And they didn't complete the operation, but they, because they'd misapplied the anesthetic, they... Um, had to come out and say to his parents, now we have to keep doing the surgery, but with no anesthetic. He said it was agony, and he died. So that gets my, when you, when you meet someone that's died, it's kind of like, ooh, you've been someplace. And the, the doctors came out and said, we're sorry, uh, your son has died. But there was a godly, and I, I don't know if it was a grandmother or an aunt. I don't know if I have that right. But it was a godly woman uh, that was praying for Andrew. And um, while she was praying, she, in, in vision, she saw two angels come into the room and touch him. And sure enough, God touched him, and he came back to life. But he was still physically, even though God resurrected him from the dead, he was physically in agony, and watch this, physical pain can sometimes cause a spiritual disconnect with God. It's a tool that the enemy uses. And Andrew became very angry with God and very disconnected from God, and he became rebellious, and he became a prodigal. He lived far away from God. But you know what's really important to God? Sons like Andrew. They're far away from God. And he had a friend. Andrew had a friend. Family members would talk to him, but he didn't want to hear it, didn't want to hear it. Finally, a, a friend talked to him and said, you know, Andrew, with all of the anger and hatred that's in your heart, you're not living a very fulfilled life. Do you know what you really need? You need to know that Jesus died on the cross and he, he bore more than you ever bore for you. And he lived a perfect life. He didn't deserve anything that happened to him. And if you will receive Jesus, if you'll open your heart to Jesus, your life will be changed. 
And somehow when that friend talked to him, he made the step of faith to come from being far away from God to coming into God's family. And he said, I, felt, I literally felt a difference in my life from that moment of prayer for more uh, love for people, more appreciation for each other. Then they ministered to him and his faith grew up. Why? Because that's important. And now he is going around and he, our middle school students received from his ministry to challenge people and to minister to them because he's living out his purpose. And his purpose is what God calls him to. Your purpose is what God calls you to. And in 2020, if you'll listen, he will call. And the world will be a better place. Your home will be a different place. The street you live on will be a different place. Starbucks will be a different place. Publix will be a different place. Chick-fil-A for sure will be a different place. Because wherever you go, the love of God will come out of you. You'll be listening to the Holy Spirit and you'll be about God's agenda, winning people that are far away from God, speaking faith to each other to encourage each other, and helping people plug into the purpose that God has for them. I pray this year that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would see the world through God's eyes, and it will be an amazing year of blessing in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite you to stand for prayer, if you would. So we close our eyes and we open our hearts. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, that inner things that can only happen on the inside would happen. That you would see beyond your natural eyes and you would see the world the way the Lord sees it. You would see that people that are far away from God are still loved by God. That's why he gave his son. God is not willing that any of them would perish, but that they would come into the family of God. And you'll be available to the Holy Spirit to be part of that. And when they're in the family of God, you'll be part of seeing them grow in their most holy faith. You'll speak words of encouragement that come from the Word of God. You'll be a prophet in your generation as you've been called and anointed to be and speak God's Word to people that need God's Word and their faith will grow. People will feel strengthened after the time they spend with you. People will feel encouraged after they spend time with you. People will feel they've been in the presence of Jesus after they've spent time with you. And then you will connect with the purposes of God in the deepest way possible for this year. And you'll be part of bringing others along and saying, you know, it's not just about living for your 401k. It's about living for the kingdom of God. You are gifted and when you release that gift, the body of Christ, the anointing becomes glorious. And we pray for a glorious anointing on the body of Christ that will usher in revival. And this would be a great year. This would be a great month. And begin, Lord, in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's kids say together, Amen. Bless the name.
Lord of Lords. So we love you. I want you to just take we got a couple of minutes to go out and talk to people at the Connect tables and grow in your faith. Before you go, please tell a few people God has an incredible year planned for you. Give them a word of faith, a word of encouragement. We'll see you. We love you. We're here on Wednesday, and we're here next week, the Lord willing.